I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to you know. Well, you'll see later. I stand for my I know a lot of fucking idiots. I think a lot of shit is mean spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you the comedic stylings of Gallagher. That's right. The uh, de- definitely legendary, definitely a name everyone knows. Uh, this <laughs> Gallagher passed away recently, and it's strange because usually we're remembering someone fondly. Like I was a big Gilbert Gottfried fan. And so it was almost a sad episode to have to do when we talked about Gilbert Uh, Gallagher. I was worried about because I was like, how am I going to spin this in like kind of a positive direction? And then the more I looked into him, I was just like, I don't, I don't think there is one. We just got to lean into it. (laughs) I was thinking too, like uh, you always start the show. I am pleased to introduce you to like, how much did that hurt to say? (laughs) Well, I also, I'm pleased to introduce you to a guy that died two weeks ago, (laughs) but this is for the clout. Yeah. My, uh, so we have to start by saying one of the most successful guys of his era for sure. Definitely. Like legitimately a crazy success. If you look at, you know, what he was doing at that time. Uh, but also, you know, his name kind of became a punchline and he was very bitter about that. And he would take that out on a lot of uh, shows that he went on, <laughs> which will be our main focus today. So uh, we'll get into it. But first and foremost, if you like this program, if you want to support the show, um, listen, we don't get any ads. We don't have a sales team here. No one wants to support us, so we rely on you. So if you could go to Patreon, support us that way, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Or if you'd rather just support the show for free, you can do that on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. And the easiest way to find all of those links would be blindmike.net. So uh, go to blindmike.net, check that out. Subscribe everywhere you can. You know, any way you can helps. So we appreciate whatever level you're, uh, uh, you're able to support the program. Um. And yeah, I mean, like, it's this will be interesting because I think it'll be more like we haven't really done an episode like this. I guess the closest would be uh, when we had Royce Lopez on and talked about uh, celebrities try- attempting stand up. But don't get it twisted. Gallagher, Gallagher was extremely successful. Like, A he monster. found something. Yeah. That's what you have to say about guys like, whether it's guys like Gallagher and Carrot Top who really get shit on too much, frankly. You know what I mean? Like, I don't find Gallagher particularly funny. Uh, but what he did attracted a ton of attention and entertained a lot of people. So say whatever you want about it. He found something and stuck to it. Now, his sticking to it gets a little weird based on some of his philosophies of comedy and everything. Uh, but no doubt about it, one of the most successful guys ever. Uh, you know, he did all the talk shows, Carson and Ned Sullivan and Merv Griffin and all of that. Back in the day, all the, you know, boxes you have to check to be a successful comedian. And then had, I think, 14 cable specials. And for a guy that you think of as like the watermelon smashing guy, putting out 14 hours of content is pretty impressive, you know? 
Yeah, you just get a new fruit every time. Smash it with a hammer. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the weird thing about Gallagher that we'll talk about a lot is he wasn't just that, and so badly wanted to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start uh, earlier on. So he was on the Tonight Show a few times. Um, he was only on with Johnny twice. Uh, he was on once where he brought out um, the Tonight Show home game where like he had this, it was like a, I don't know, a board game where they had a little, a tiny Carson that adjusted his tie. Uh, I don't know. It was, I'm sure it was a fun bit for 1975. Uh, but the clip that I took, I just enjoyed a little more. It's his second time with Johnny on the tonight show. Um, so let's just get a glimpse of that. And this will give you a feel. If you don't know Gallagher at all, which if you're of a, you know, young, my generation or younger, you probably know the name, but aren't too familiar with him. So uh, this is a little bit of his material that he did on the Tonight Show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How does he do it? Why does he do it? Ladies and gentlemen, so much for the fun. Presenting Gallagher's Suitcase Circus. Get down to business. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Master Tool Corporation, a subsidiary of Fly-By-Night Industries, has entrusted me to show you the handiest and the dandiest kitchen tool you've ever seen, and don't you want to know how it works? Yeah! Don't you want to know how it works? Yeah! Well, first you get out an ordinary apple. Then you place the apple easily between the patented pan. Then what do you do, gang? It's simple. You reach for the tool that is not a slicer, it's not a dicer, it's not a chopper and a hopper. What could it possibly be? Hey, the mystery is over. It is sledge o Hey! Nice and bad, quick and easy, applesauce in an instant. Fine fruit salad. This, folks, is Sledgematic, the wonder tool of a thousand uses. Now you make your own peanut butter right to home fruit and vegetable juices, mounds of mashed potatoes. Why, Sledgematic will even make French fries. But I swear, you've got to crack that sucker just straight. <laughs> now, ladies, are you looking for a way to disguise leftovers? I'll tell you what you do. You root them around the patented pan. You guessed it. You hit them again. Chicken, look at you. <laughs> Sledgematic will kill ants, roaches, flies, appetites, anything which crawls into the patented pan. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Sure, he can do it with an apple. Sure, he can do it with a potato. But can he do it with... A watermelon. (laughs) I may or may not have the watermelon. That depends upon your reaction to the rest of my show. Yes, we're also going to make you wait. Contain your excitement, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what he did. And this is where Gallagher becomes an interesting character. Because I was not aware, and you probably aren't either at home, uh, unless you're of a very specific time, unless you were in the, you know, in, in the pop culture world in a very specific time, then uh, you may not remember the Vegomatic, which was like a blender for vegetables or something, a product that was on, you know, infomercials and things in the 70s. So <laughs> the Sledgeomatic is Gallagher's signature bit. And it was done to be, which I think we have a clip of him talking about this a little bit later. But it's done as a commentary 
on our, you know, materialistic society that will just buy any dumb product. What's interesting about that is that he took what is commenting on, you know, kind of our idiotic society and made it his closer to draw people in that specifically only want to see that and aren't interested in his high-minded takes on things. (laughs) So it's a kind of a, you know, hypocrisy within itself that I find very interesting. Uh, Also, he did the bit for so long that no one knew what the fuck the Vegematic was. They're like, this is just a guy smashing shit. (laughs) He's smashing apples and watermelons. And why is he talking like a carny? Well, again, but again, that's part of the thing where he's mocking, like, you know, for our generation, Billy Mays, that kind of a guy. I don't know who it was in the 70s, but I'm sure they had their own. Um, so he, he's it's a satire. It's commentary on that as he, you know, likes to pat himself on the back for a little bit. But it became not that when he started kind of catering his act to just closing with that, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think, the tough thing for a lot of guys where like, uh, I, I saw, I don't know if I ever mentioned on the podcast after we did the Ron white episode, uh, people alerted me to the fact that Ron white was in the area. And last time he was coming to Boston before he retires. So I went and saw him and Ron white does an hour. He does a full hour. None of the shit that you saw in blue collar or any of that. And then he will say like, Hey, you know, are there any bits of mind you guys want to hear? And sometimes people will ask for tater salad. Sometimes people will ask for like the plain story that we play all kinds of different shit that he'll do. Um, and he will close with that. So he's like kind of giving the people what they want there. But Gallagher, unfortunately the one thing you wanted to see when you saw him was this watermelon smashing thing and none of his other material took. (laughs) So he had to make the decision do I ditch that bit and just say, Hey, this is where you're getting, you're getting my political takes or whatever I want to do now. Or do I want to keep selling out? (laughs) And and I don't mean selling out like his soul. I mean, selling out shows theaters that he was doing. Um, So it's interesting. Like, like actually huge. Enormous. But but here's the thing. When we do, whenever we do the episode about carrot top that I'm sure we'll do eventually. Definitely. I will speak about him with a lot different tone, I think. Me too. Because Carrot Top accepts who he is. And some of the things he does are actually, like, kind of funny. Well, yeah, but but not even that. Like, you could, I haven't seen enough of Gallagher's acts, but you could say there's shit that he does that's funny. But Patrice told him he was funny. When, you know, we'll play some of that later. But, <laughs> well, um, did he? <laughs> I saw, I, well, we'll get, we'll get into it in a bit. But, the thing about Carrick Top is he accepted who he is. Right. You know, he is the wacky prank guy. Whereas I don't think Gallagher ever quite accepted that. But first I want to just show this because it might be my favorite clip that we have. Uh, because Johnny Carson, uh, notoriously, even though I guess he started as a magician, Johnny, I think. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so maybe it's there's some self-loathing in here or something. But he hated prop acts. But, you know. Johnny would give the people what they want once in a while. He knew entertainment at that time. So he would give in and he had a carrot top on a couple times. And this is the last time I believe carrot top was ever on with Johnny Gallagher. 
Uh, I'm sorry, Carrot Top. <laughs> Gallagher was on with Johnny. And um, what well, is the, you have to point out too? If you, the clip we just played, if you listen, the crowd is loving it. Crowd's loving it, and he a hey, he gets the call over to the couch, which uh, is you know he did really covered it. He this was a pre-planned couch. If you watch, he just finishes, he smashes, and walks directly to the couch. There's no. Oh, all right, all right. Well, that changes things a little bit, but <laughs> uh, well, let's just play it and see. Tell me how, how you think Johnny reacts to this. Got him, you got him awake. Well, we woke him up. We certainly how you been. Well, I've been good. I've been thinking is, and working and... Uh, is that a spring on one foot? I, I have invented this for the show. Yeah. Watching, thinking about this gas crisis. You know I can beat most traffic off of the, uh, off the red light. I can beat everything up to half a block. They catch me at the next light, but I beat him again. Yeah. Pogo stick, uh, disco well, coming in. You see, my dad owned a rink when I was a kid. You skate pretty well. Chevy Chase. Well, and <laughs> you would if your dad owned a rink. You yeah, come probably. home and there's nothing to do but hand out skates and skate. So uh, I decided to go one step beyond. You see, I, I've been into this skating uh, for a long time now. So I, I decided you can't really go real fast down the street with two skates because every so often there's some obstruction, sure. you see. So with this uh, spring on one foot, I just fly over it. I just pick out whether I want to fly or roll. Right. Fly or roll. I think it'll be the next... Uh, Next big, spring. Big, yeah. big thing. You see these uh, furniture coasters? It works real good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, you, thanks for coming you by. Two ought to, uh, <laughs> you two ought to get along famously. Yeah. Uh, well, what if, this, what if this catches on now uh, and it's will. very practical? Well, this is silly, isn't it? Wheels on your foot? No, that was probably considered silly when somebody started that, right? They laughed and said, hey. Well, at least I'm only looking half stupid. Not this right. half might be smart. Okay, we'll take a break and we're going to come right back here. <laughs> I mean, Johnny is like an ultimate salesman. He would make his guests the star. <laughs> and mm. he couldn't come up with anything to say to that bit. He was just so disgusted. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll be uh we'll be right back then. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be tough too, especially if you're Gallagher. He went from crushing to bombing miserably. Yeah, and that this is where I do feel bad for Gallagher because he became like kind of a clown, where literally his name became a punchline for a hack comedian. Right. Like, oh, why don't you just be Gallagher and smash watermelons? That became a very commonly used <laughs> punchline for a shitty comedian. And, and he really didn't want to be that. Like I said, where Carrot Top accepted it, Gallagher never quite did. Right. Um, so next, are we going to his stand-up or are we at Letterman? Letterman. Um, how do I want to do this? Hey, you know what? Let's play Letterman just to so you if you guys aren't aware, so you understand why I'm talking about Gallagher with this tone. This is David Letterman, who you know brings Gallagher on. He says we, we this is a friend of mine from the comedy store. Oh, and that's one thing I should say too is Gallagher was around forever. Yes, uh, he started at the comedy store. He was saying on um, I listened to his episode of Marin, and he was talking about uh, remember how we talked about with Mitzi Shore that when the comedy store opened, it was like kind of an underground operation where I don't even know if they technically had a liquor license and it was an open mic place and Mitzi would work the door. Um, Gallagher was there at that time. So he was literally there from, for the beginning of the comedy store. So he was around forever and, you know, 
came up with the uh, Pryor and Robin Williams and Letterman and all these people. And Letterman introduces him as a friend. Uh, I don't know how true that was because there's a few times where I've heard him shit on Letterman. And this seems like kind of the start of uh, Gallagher's bitterness. Because to fully preface it, they're talking about him playing like 3,000 seat theaters. He says, I'll only do 3,000 seats in the venue he's playing uh, in New York. He says he's making an exception at 1,700 or something. So he's playing huge venues. This is uh, Gallagher starting to get popular, and this is what he thinks of guys like Letterman. No, I see on the on this uh, cable deal, your shows, you have one about once a month, it seems like. Oh, I know it. You they're, quit writing. They're I, gr- I did what? Quit writing. you got to keep writing all of the time. You do a monologue every day. If you would put it all together, you'd have a tape. Well, I, 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 but of course, I guess other people write it. What do you think? I don't know what you're talking about. I have a show here. It's on 12:30 every night. <laughs> I know, but you give it to other people. You know, some Howard comes out and he wrote some jokes and lit a cigar. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Howard don't come out on my show. No, but what I was what I was going to say was, uh, what you do on on that show, I think, is uh, terrific. You're very entertaining. Well, thanks. I'm yeah. trying real hard. I'm trying to see how uh, you can use an hour. You see, I got to talk the whole time. I can't go. And now you're you're tired of me. Here's this guy. You yeah. Know? Well, no. Now you. you can... Hey. Yeah, these will be the people you'll be entertaining at Lincoln Center. <laughs> so, very weird shots at Letterman, and like maybe their friends and the crowd just took it weird. Like maybe that's friendly ball busting. It didn't seem like it. From Letterman's reaction. No, Letterman was actually pissed. Yeah, so what he's saying is a shitty thing, even if they are friends. Because he's essentially saying Letterman is mailing it in, and he's lazy. Right. Which is so opposite of true, especially at that time, Letterman was, like, innovating comedy. Like, any weird, quirky shit that you see now is because of, particularly with talk shows. Like, Conan is directly because of what David Letterman was doing on that late-night show. Exactly. So for Gallagher to come out and say you mail it in every day is A, very shitty if you're a friend, B, completely untrue, and C, hypocritical based on Gallagher's reputation. Well, he comes across like a gigantic pompous ass. Yes, it's very it's bothersome to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would be shitty if he was talking to an open micer like that. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, what, what do you think if you wrote again? What do you think? Like, right, but you're talking to David Letterman, and you know what? If you took that shot at Letterman in uh, 2012 and said, hey, maybe you should start writing again, all right, I'm, I'm on board with you. You know what I mean? Letterman started mailing it in at the end. This is Letterman at the height of his career. No shit. <laughs> Gallagher's like, ah, you're a lazy hack. I assume he's talking about Howard Stern. I'm guessing Howard was the guest before him or the night before him. I have no idea. And he says, like, I I don't need guests on my show. I can't just be like, hey. Well, what you're saying is a different product. He was insulting the medium. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's like if he was talking to, you know, Tom Cruise and was like, oh, well, I don't need to pretend to be someone else. Right. Exactly. Well, that, that's not the thing that you're doing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, that clip really annoyed me. I mean, A, because I love Letterman, but B, because it's like, dude. You're the guy. I get that's not what you want to be known for. And you're more than that and all that. You're the guy that smashes watermelons. <laughs> People put on a poncho in the front row of your show. You are not this highbrow, prolific guy. Uh, even if you put out a ton of content, if you had a ton of great content, that's terrific. That's not how people know you. 
and the the balls to talk to David Letterman like that, I thought was I mean impressive in a way, but also very delusional. Yeah, I I don't. Uh, but rest in peace, I don't. Gallagher. I don't like a guy who makes like <laughs> fruit stew talking down to me about anything yeah. ever. And you know, there's there's plenty of guys that uh, that their personality is that, but they're misunderstood. They're fucking around, and they're misunderstood people. Maybe that's what Gallagher is. It did not come off that way, if that's the case. And we have a lot more evidence. If this was a trial, I, I think I'm uh, swaying the jury with the rest of the evidence I have prepared. Uh, yeah, no, th- this is this is like a, they plead out before the case even starts. <laughs> so first, before we get into all that, we will uh, play a little more of his stand-up, right? Yeah, this is the political material. Yeah, I mean, this is just a taste, and again, I'm giving you uh, one or two jokes, so maybe not a fair measuring stick, but it's a little taste of his heady political material. It seems like they're saying, let's redo the 60s, and it just ain't coming out right, is it? No. There was violence in the 60s when they shot the president. We didn't know who did. Could have been the Russians, could have been the Cubans, could have been the CIA, the FBI, Johnson. But in the 80s, who was it? We know. Hinkley. <laughs> All by himself in his motel. <laughs> Think I'll shoot the president. It seems like these days we're just playing with life. Like it really isn't so serious. Nobody believes they should do anything to him because he shot the president. Oh, he couldn't have been doing that. That's too serious. It's a good thing he didn't try and steal the president's car. He might have gone to jail. <laughs> That's not a bad line. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Right. This, this is a crazy time out here. Civil rights. They were so worried. We want equal opportunity to have a job. You got equal opportunity. There ain't no job. <laughs> then women's rights. Oh, gee, in the 60s, it seemed so exciting. Surely it would happen. This is America, majority rules. Women are in the majority. They'll vote themselves an amendment to the Constitution. In the 80s, we find out what? No. They found out when they stood up for their rights, they lost their seat. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, uh, a couple okay lines. Well, here's the other thing, is we're not living in the 80s, so Correct. maybe that, like, there ain't no jobs line would have hit harder if we... We're in that time. You know what I mean? So I'm not even going to comment on whether or not you think it's funny. Just think about this. This is our compliment to Gallagher, or at least mine, I'll say, <laughs> is that what I knew of Gallagher, Oh, uh, you know, I know him as the watermelon smashing guy. Would you ever have thought he was talking about assassinating the president and civil rights in his act? No, I'd be like, you know what uh, I mean? Like that is, there is something to the fact that like, he he had the balls to do the, to be this like, I guess family friendly or whatever he was that appealed to like a mass audience with the watermelon shit. He still had the balls to say, oh, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. I want to talk about women's rights and civil rights and Hinckley and all this stuff going on in the day. So that is, you know, an interesting dichotomy. <laughs> well, he can't he can't go honestly to himself that. Yeah, what I'm doing is going to change the world when it's comes to smashing fruits. <laughs> yeah, so that here's my problem with Gallagher and his comedy philosophy, if you want to call it that. Uh, so this this the bit we just played you is from 
a special that he did. I want to say it's called Stuck in the 60s, Still Stuck in the 60s, I believe it's called, which I think he also sings the theme song for that, which I didn't care for. I, I thought about including it, but I restrained myself. Um, stuck in the 60s. Stuck in the 60s. So it's a theme show, much like, you know, Ari Shafir just put out about Judaism or Colin Quinn has put out about, you know, the Constitution and other topics. Um, this was kind of a theme show in that vein. And yet, this is how he ends that. You know, we saw very political, very in-depth talk comparing the 60s to present day, which was the 80s. And then uh, this is how he ends it. Don't, uh, don't think that just because I haven't paid any attention to this little watermelon... Smash this pig. He just runs off stage. If you want to see exactly how that played out, but uh, yeah, so that he ends with the watermelon bed. He does the whole setup, so dramatic. He smashes the apple, does all that stuff before. So you do this show about the sixties and then you end it with that. Now this is kind of what I talked about with Seinfeld. What annoys me about Seinfeld's uh, philosophy on comedy where he's like, you got to give the people what they want. You're putting on a show and you know, like Louie's argument and Chris Rock's argument when they were talking in that uh, talking funny special on HBO, uh, They were basically saying, well, this is your audience. You've built your audience. They want to see the thoughts that you have. They've seen the stuff you did in 1989. They want to see what's, what's Jerry thinking about now? You know what I mean? Because it's your audience. Um, That was probably a little harder to wrap your mind around in the eighties, to be fair, because you could have heard the name Gallagher for five years and still never have seen that watermelon bit. You know what I mean? Whereas now it's the internet. You would have seen that clip on Instagram 12 times. So like, who gives a fuck now? You know? So it is a different time where it's like, Oh, I've heard about this guy. I want to see the watermelon thing. But my argument to Gallagher, where he's still here, God rest his soul. I would say, uh, uh, Leo, I would, I would call him Leo by his first name. I'd say Leo. It it doesn't make sense that if you're doing a show about the sixties, you don't end with the watermelon thing. And then maybe that crowd is going to be annoyed and be like, fucking guy didn't do the watermelon thing. But now you're developing a reputation as the guy who used to do the watermelon thing and you don't have to do it anymore. You know, that would be my argument to, to Gallagher, but he didn't see it that way, which listen, I was extremely successful uh, until he started playing the stock market, but he made, he made a lot of money. So uh, good for him. But it did. That didn't seem to be enough for him, you know. Well, um, his net worth isn't insane. What is it? Two hundred thousand. Was it? Oh no! Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so I I heard, and when he, um one of the times he was on Opie and Anthony, and a few other radio shows that I listened to, every time Gallagher was on, they would say, like, 
he would sit there between breaks and just like play the stock market. Uh, like he, he would ask to use their computer and shit. Right. So I know he was really into the stock market and I think he may have made a few bum investments. Looks like he messed it up a little because if you're, especially back then you're doing 3000 seats a night. Yeah. You're kind of rolling in it. Yeah. I don't know how much money he, he squirreled away, but um, anyways, are we getting into Marin now? We are at bitter Gallagher with Marin. Yep. Yeah, so this is the bitterness that I'm talking about, and you saw it a little bit in that Letterman clip, um, but uh, he did an episode of WTF with Mark Marin in 2011, and Marin does a whole setup. Uh, so before we listen to this, I should defend Marin because I actually really disagree with Marin's argument. Mar- Marin gets into an argument with Gallagher here, and I would strongly disagree with a lot of what he was saying, but Marin did like a, uh, an intro to this interview and said that he also kind of disagreed with it, that he reacted to an article that he read about Gallagher and should have given the guy a chance before kind of jumping down his throat. Uh, so Marin took some blame in this interaction, but I would blame, you know, place a lot of the blame on uh, how Gallagher reacts as well. Uh, but this episode was recorded after an article came out um, essentially calling Gallagher racist and homophobic based on jokes he was making. Um, and this is, you know, 2011 where we're, we're starting to get in that kind of sensitive, you know, politically correct time, a little, certainly more than we were in the eighties. Um, but anyways, let's hear a clip that shows us uh, bitter Gallagher. For some reason, Jay Leno and David Letterman knew they were going to have a talk show. Somehow they had an inside track. You think it was an inside track or just focus? And it didn't matter whether they had an act or not. You know, Jay's act it was very forgettable. And he ran around just like Tom Dreesen, opening for washed up old singers, you know. But and- now, but, but isn't that just a career trajectory? I mean, if you're up there, you know, doing what you do, I mean, your, your idea was not to get a talk show. I mean, you I were, wouldn't have minded a talk no, show. But I, I mean, thought was, if you can be a good live performer, you ought to be able to sit down and talk. But where do you fit interviews in between, you know, dancing around and smashing shit? Well, what did, how did Jay and Dave get they good stood, at interviews? They stood still and they wore a suit. Oh, and they're really good at interviews. Jay I, says, you used to I'm not model saying, before you got I'm, into acting. I, I practiced that. Uh, you used to model I'm before saying, you got into I'm not acting. Saying Why can't I have the I'm, Tonight I Show? I am not defending Jay Leno. I, I'm just saying that, you know, your career, your, your decision in the type of showman you were going to be was different than theirs no it wasn't i got jobs and had to leave town and for some reason they had this inside track dave used to say to me i don't need to have an act i'm going to have a talk show Right, because that's what he wanted to do. Well, they gave him one out in L.A., and it, it bombed terrible. But did you and want to do a talk show? I wanted to make big money. So he keeps he keeps mentioning an inside track there, which makes it sound like conspiratorial. <laughs> it's predetermined. You know what I mean? Like, as if Jay Leno and uh, David Letterman are, you know, covert ops <laughs> that were that the, the Illuminati is as pegged as the next the successor to The Tonight Show. So it, it's definitely a bitterness there. That, I mean, it still certainly exists in comedy today. But I think uh, because of podcasting and everything, there seems to be more of a community feel to comedy than there was in the eighties. Like back then there was a lot of bitterness. And when you heard guys in interviews or, or contexts that you weren't used to hearing them in off stage, 
uh, it would it would drip off some of these guys. And Gallagher is probably the prime example of the, you know, not sad clown, but angry, bitter clown kind of. Oh, for sure. He he's jealous of everyone. He's kind of like Marin. Maybe that's why they start fighting. Yeah. So there's there's a couple things here where like, um, I don't. Uh, Marin's kind of going after him and it's, it's, it's funny to hear him poke and be like, well, you're running around smashing watermelons. You don't have time for an interview. <laughs> like, he is being kind of funny, but he also takes an approach that uh, I don't totally agree with, but in Marin's defense, he never gets out of line or I mean, out of line, but you know, he never says anything that you're like, Oh, holy shit. He's really going after this guy. He's being an interviewer. He's pushing back on Gallagher. Right, Gallagher ta- ends up taking it uh, very personally, as Robert De Niro would say. But before we get into that, let's hear what. Uh, Gall- oh, and by the way, the other thing, like he says, like about Letterman, he goes, "Well, they gave him a talk show in L.A. It bombed horribly." And it's like, well, you're just not acknowledging that. Yeah, it was because that he didn't work daytime. It didn't make any sense to have Letterman on at 10 a.m. or whenever he was on. They gave him a late night show, and it was historic. And he had a 30-year career doing that. Terrible. So you're just not acknowledging. You're saying, oh, he bombed horribly, as if nothing you've done has ever bombed Gallagher. <laughs> you know, so it's a, it's a weird bitterness there that uh, kind of annoys me, and he's not happy with... You know, he says right at the very end of that clip, you hear him, it kind of gets cut off, but you hear him say, like, I'm into making money. So he's half this guy who's like an artist, has all this artistic integrity, and also the guy that smashes watermelons because the audience says dance, you know? <laughs> they clapped. It's like uh, jiggling your keys for a kid. But let's see. Let's see what uh, Gallagher was up to prior to comedy. So why were you sending it off? You were performing already or you hadn't no, started? No, I wasn't a comedian. I was a chemist. You were a chemist? Yeah. What was your future plan then? Uh, crystal meth? I was meth? save the world. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, one way or another <laughs> with my creativity. Creativity can be in any field. How did you I've see got your... patents now. Uh, you know, I use my creativity to invent things instead of make props. How did you see yourself saving the world with chemistry? What was your? Uh, what would you want to do? Well, uh, cancer research yeah. or um, all. Well, it could have been energy. The, did it, was it was the path just too long for you at the time? I mean, did you not want I got diverted with this damn lucrative comedy thing. But I still meet with physics departments as I travel around the country. About what? Well, I talk to them about subatomic particles and, uh, and how we could make the whole field more approachable to the average person. So you hear him kind of... Talk there, and it gives no credentials that would suggest he could cure cancer, but he kind of talks with the attitude that he could. He sure could. I believe it. <laughs> it's very, it's fa- And listen, I have no idea what Gallagher's, I, he went to like uh, University of Southern Florida, I think, which I don't know what their uh, science program was like or anything. So I, I'm, he might genuinely be a genius. I have no idea. But the problem is when he talks and says that he's a chemist that could have cured the energy crisis or cancer, he does come off like a guy you would see on the bus ranting about, you know, about religion or something. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pursue it because this lucrative comedy career got in the way of saving lives. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, listen, you know, you smash a few watermelons. It can it can get in the way. I understand. But. It's, it's, he never accepted who he was. He's not dissimilar from Stuttering John, who I feel like we'll talk about 
eventually on this program. I'm not sure when yet, but he's got this kind of like, I'm not a, a therapist, so I don't know if it qualifies as a God complex, but it feels like he thinks he could do anything. Mm. Like he could have done anything and he graced us with his presence, his presence in, in the comedy world. Well, thank God. And that is, that's the vibe that he has. And again, this is the, uh, in memoriam episode. I was just going to say, I have to keep reminding myself that he passed. So, I feel bad going in on him as hard as we are, but listen, I watched a lot of interviews with the guy. He didn't give me a lot of reason to think otherwise. No. You know what I mean? Like the persona that he put out there uh, didn't give me a ton of reason to think he was, you know, this humble, uh, respectful gentleman. What what's what's slowly starting to happen here in this interview is not a rare occurrence. No, well, no, as we'll get to. But um, what's uh, what's next on the docket here? Homophobia. Yeah. So, like I said, Marin um, uh, Gallagher's people came to Marin and said, "Listen." There was this, you know, hit piece or whatever you want to call it, uh, calling Gallagher homophobic and racist based on a few jokes that he did um, just at a comedy club. And so this is an example of uh, some of the, the quote, homophobic things. And Marin really pushes back on him here, which we'll talk a lot about a little bit, too. Now, my question to you, then, is, is that, you know, you have this streak where you, you're a progressive thinker. You're a creative thinker. And I think that on, on some level, in retrospect, you can see the sledgematic as a commentary on consumer culture. It was a satire. Okay, I understand the that. The problem is the fights at a hockey match, right? Yeah. My act was a hockey uh, match, and instead a fight broke out, and everybody came back for the fight. Or the wrecks at a car race. Right, there was a, an a anarchy to it. You, you, well, you they just your wanted the smashing and didn't care about my insightful satire. Okay, well, now we're meaningless thing. Now we fast forward to where we are now, and yeah. you've got this reputation of being a uh, 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 racist and a racist a, and, a, and a homophobe. You know, there are jokes you do that are a little vicious. Uh, they a lot are not. Why well, do you have? A, I've watched these Comedy Central roasts, and I don't. Well, a roast say is a anything. context. There is a context to that. A now, context. It, and what's my problem? There's no context in a comedy show? No, there is a context, but I'm just saying that when you, you attack gay people or you attack... Uh, attack? Yeah. I don't attack them. Yeah, well, you you make fun of them well, in wait a very a aggressive way. Okay, let's way. say I tell a joke about a white middle-class man. Does mm -hmm. anybody say, why do I not like white middle-class men? Well, I think that's a, a false... Uh, why? Uh, because, because it is. Because the It's one area of our society is sensitive and can't take a joke. And, and what am I making jokes about? But, I'm making jokes about people who don't complain. Well, tell me some of your jokes about homosexuals. Just out of curiosity. I don't have any jokes about homosexuals, uh -huh. but I might tell a joke. Yeah. I haven't written any. I tell jokes somebody else wrote. What are they? What, what do you mean? What are my really good homosexual jokes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what does Siegfried have in common with the tiger? They both know what Roy tastes like. Uh-huh. Uh, why don't lesbians lose weight? You can't put Jenny Craig in your mouth with Mary Kay on your face. I mean, they're jokes. But how do you feel about it? It's a nightclub. I understand what you're saying. It's a nightclub for your particular audience. Now, if you want My to get, audience. Sure. Maren's so, <laughs> being a little shitty there, saying, like, ah, you're a racist audience. But... Where, listen, Marin's been pretty consistent on this. If you listen to his uh, bizarre Instagram live streams now, when he's talking about Chappelle and Rogan, uh, if anything, the guy's consistent because he still 
refers to, you know, Chappelle's comedy and Rogan's comedy the same way that he's talking to Gallagher here. The main thing I don't agree with Marinon is the word attacking. You're mm-hmm. attacking the homosexual community. And it's like, well, no, he's on stage telling jokes. And as far as I know, particularly based on that Siegfried and Roy joke, it's not particularly vicious. You know, it doesn't seem like Gallagher is going on some crazy tirade about, you know, gay marriage or anything like that. There seems to be no hate behind it, at least from what Gallagher said there. I was not in the audience, obviously. Uh, so I don't know exactly what people are referring to when they say homophobic. But um, I, I just think Marin's wrong to to call it an attack, you know, and he still does that today. Yeah, he's he's not changed. He he's he's like yelling at Gallagher for similarities, and he he won't change. <laughs> yeah, I mean he may, he he makes it a good interview because he's pushing back on him for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I like that Marin did that uh, because he gets Gallagher to, to blow up basically. But it is it, it's shocking for me to hear a comedian say that you're attacking gay people by making jokes about them and you're allowed to make jokes about straight white men, but not these other people and saying it's a false equivalency or something like that. Like that to me seems wrong because you know, the, the soft bigotry of lower expectations or whatever they call it, where like you're now saying that, uh, and where Gallagher is wrong in that clip is when he says some people in our society are, can't be joked about and I would push back on that and say, it's usually not gay people complaining about gay jokes. It's some, you know, generally white woman in the audience who thinks she's standing up for civil rights. You right, know, exactly. And it's friggin' annoying. If they're upset, yeah. let them be upset. And then you can go off of that. Don't assume how they're feeling. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, again, I don't agree with Marin, but he's being a good interviewer. He, they're going they're, I think they're having a pretty good, interesting back and forth. It's weird that I'm listening to Gallagher be the voice of comedy. <laughs> a little unusual, but I do, I do agree with him. And it, it shows that he has, again, he, he, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. He understands artistic integrity, but does not display it. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like he, he gets, uh, you know, speaking his mind and saying what, what he wants his audience to hear, uh, and, and, but also giving them what they want. You know, he, he tries to walk that line and does it very poorly, I think. But anyways. R.I.P. Gallagher. Yeah, rest in peace, Gallagher. <laughs> a great man and a very successful career. Now let's talk uh, about his racism. Now, yeah, now let's call him a racist. <laughs> let's call, dig him up and call him a filthy racist. What do you say? I'm all for it. <laughs> You don't yeah. think you're feeding a fire of, of intolerance at all? I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. By repeating a joke I heard on the street. Well, I mean, you got to take responsibility. You're saying it. I mean, I understand it's a street joke, but some of those are pretty awful, too. I'm just saying that you're pigeonholing How could you... Um, uh, why make fun of them? Uh-huh. Why make fun of them in that way? Why why minimize them and their way of life? Minimize? Sure. Sure. You're well, making, can I pick on Arabs? Can you? I mean, Can I? Where, well, where are you drawing well, the line? Where, where does it come from? The what joke. do you mean? Where I mean, what is your from? what is They're your incentive? They're the enemy. I've got to do a all pass Arabs. Out. All Arabs are the enemy. For some reason, I got to be at the airport two hours early. That's- <laughs> now, now listen, in, uh, in 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 late two thousand one, early two thousand two, I think you heard a lot of conversations like that. The problem is, 
uh, I believe we had killed Bin Laden at this point. This was uh, 2011, so if it didn't happen yet, it was just around the corner. <laughs> yeah, so so, so uh, uh, Gallagher complaining about that and blaming all Arabs uh, does sound incredibly dated. As many hacks are, he's about 10 years late on that take. <laughs> but, but... No, he's dead. Rest in peace. Where... Great man. Uh, <laughs> God rest his soul. Uh, now, where Marin is wrong is when he says, why make fun of them? Right. Well, the answer is you're a comedian. Very simple. That's why. Why make fun of anyone? Why make fun of Republicans, Mark? You know, why make fun of fucking anybody that you go after? See, he focuses on making fun of Captain Beefheart, so... I don't know who that is. It's a band he made fun of, or an obscure joke one time, but it was safe. Oh, okay. Well, why why go after them? But yeah, honestly, that's actually a good example, as much as I was about to trash you. That's a good example, because it's like, well, why go after them? Those are individuals. You're, you're not even being broad. You're attacking actual people, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, I think uh, Gallagher certainly sounds like he comes from a different era there in his comments, but I get what I think he's trying to say. Although there may be... Who knows? Maybe there is hate in his heart, as we'll see in a later clip. Um, but let's keep on this stretch. Are we at the end now? Uh, this or is one one more. This is tension. Is this when we see the tension building a little bit between these two? I'm not denying your act is not filled with hate, but I'm saying that just the fact that you know you I feel- tell five lesbian jokes, and you went and found an article find- written about me. I'm just asking you a question. Decided that that. Not only will have you put me in the pigeonhole of I'm not being pigeonholing a guy you. that does, I'm just asking you questions. No, you're not. Of course I you am. You are working your politics. I up. am not. What's my you, politics? Your politics is left wing. <laughs> uh, I'm, well, he's right, actually. Marin is working his politics in there. But you can tell what really bugged him. And this is, this is probably 20 minutes later in the interview, maybe 15. You can tell what really bugged him is when Marin kind of just... Yeah, often bar- barely even noticeable to the listener, but to Gallagher it was very noticeable when Marin said, you know, you're running around smashing watermelons. That stuck with him when he goes, you're trying to pigeonhole me as the, as the watermelon guy. And that I think is ultimately what made Gallagher the curmudgeon and the, you know, temperamental sort that he was. Cause we got, we got to do too is like, if you asked anyone, anyone about Gallagher, not one person is saying anything other than watermelon smashing. Yeah, oh, I like his political take. Oh, I should mention, he ran for governor in uh, 2003. He got like 5,000 votes, governor of California, the same year uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger won. He, he smoked everybody that year. <laughs> yeah, so Gallagher got about 5,000 votes. And uh, as to your point, Craig, no one's like, oh, the, the uh, gubernatorial candidate, Gallagher, <laughs> is that who you're referring to? That's what I mean. Everyone thinks of that giant mallet. Right. Yeah. So, uh, like I said about Carrot Top, Carrot Top accepted it. Gallagher did not. And all you have to do is do a show like Stuck in the 60s or whatever the fuck you want to do. And don't smash watermelons at the end. And then you can kind of be your own guy. You could say, hey, yeah, you know, I smashed watermelons and then I also did this. You know, um, like when fucking Adam Sandler does a drama, you know, no one watches Uncut Gems and says, fuck you. You're not allowed to do this. You it's stu- him doing a different thing. You stupid now, piece of shit. Yeah. Now, now in Uncut Gems, if Adam Sandler worked in a totally do voice like he does in his comedies, then people would shit on him for that and say, well, Jesus, he can't do anything else. 
You know, like you're able to separate things even when you're you're categorized in a certain way. Shout out Hubie Halloween. Yes, certainly. Um, all right. So now this is the uh, the grand finale of his appearance on WTF. Yep. All right. Let's hear it. Most comedians are terrible. Okay. They should listen to me. Okay. I, I, I will hear you out. And I, and I help them when I can. What is your problem with most comedians? Well, like I just said, their show has no dynamics, and it's not a show based on their knowledge of the audience. It's a show about them. And comedy is not therapy, just because it's a Wait truth. Wait a minute. But if you're talking about a show about them, if, some, if you're saying that a person that talks about themselves on stage is not a comedian, then you're dismissing a, a great many great comics. Yeah. You're, yeah, so yeah, you so you're, did it wrong. No, they didn't do it okay, wrong. Okay, you walk into a doctor's office and he talks about his problems instead of... Well, that's one- an old joke. If a comedian talks about himself, and that is funny, if a comedian is a storyteller, that, see, by your, by your rubric, you're dismissing... He you know, can't people. work a state fair. Who the fuck wants to work a state fair necessarily? Oh, everybody. Really? Yeah. So in order to work a state fair, you have to take the Gallagher class. You have to work faster and more general. There are families out there, and they're not interested in your long, subtle stories. Okay, that's fine. That's a state fair circuit. But the comedy club circuit, the cabaret circuit, can indulge a different. Why can't you just see it as all being part of show business? Why are because you angry? Because there's no show involved. What? They're a bunch of Pete? slovenly. Uh, they hunch over. They turn their back on the audience. They take a that's drink their style. of water. There's a, it's show business. Why are you drawing lines? Why are you taking the other side of everything I say? I'm not. I'm just saying you are. I'm almost. Why did you want me to do this interview if you don't think I know anything about what you're asking me about? I'm just telling. I'm done. You're done. I'm done. You're just arguing. It's it's uh, it's Howard Stern and. I'm not. I was just having a conversation. I have more respect for comedy. You're trying to be controversial. I am not. Yes, you are. You're just arguing with me. I have 30 years of experience. Well, then tell me about comedy. I I just think that show business is show business. Well, then just why don't you do the interview and tell people your opinion? We were having a good conversation. uh, Oh, come on, Gallagher. All right. Well, that didn't, well, maybe it really went well. Maybe it really went well. So uh, here's one thing. First of all, you can tell, again, the bitterness comes out when he's talking about comedians. And we've heard him shit on Letterman and say he doesn't respect the talk show format. Meanwhile, by the way, remember in the, I think the first clip we played, he's like, I would have done a talk show. It's like, really? You would have done a talk show? Because you completely shit on probably the best to ever do it. And his format. So who would think you would want to do a talk show? For sure, one of the three best. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's one thing. We, but we heard him shit on Letterman, and now he's essentially shitting on uh, every comedian today, basically. No shit. <laughs> and uh, Pryor, Carlin, you know, Kinnison. You're hearing him. Ever, anyone who, who talked about their life, essentially. He is completely taking a shit on and saying, you're doing it wrong. I did it right, which is a bizarre stance to take and also be the guy who wants to talk about politics and be known for your, you know, brilliant satire that you're doing. You can't be both guys and Gallagher never understood that. God rest his soul. Doesn't seem like he understood much. Um, R.I.P. 
it's it's it, it but isn't it a weird thing though you know what i mean where you hear him say like oh these slovenly comedians and, and meanwhile he's bashing Marin also <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, like good for Marin for sticking up for himself because by saying like oh these slovenly comedians who hunch over and you know talk about themselves Geez, anyone in the room seem like that to you, Gallagher? <laughs> <laughs> Just say Mark if that's what you're talking about. But, you know, it's it's a complete um, difference of opinion, I guess. Meanwhile, to make his point, he quotes, you know, Mort Saul or whatever he did there when he's like, oh, you go into a doctor's office and <laughs> the guy complains to you. <laughs> and I, so good for Marin for calling him out on that. He just kept calling him a hack throughout that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. RIP, but it's true. Yes. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. You know, um, he's, he's in a better place. <laughs> uh, so, so that's Gallagher walking out on Marin, probably his most famous walkout. Um, but there were others and there were other contentious interviews. Um, the interviews I found of Gallagher were either, uh, some ladies laughing along with him, like one of those type of shows or contentious. Those are the two types of interviews he did. And, uh, Opie and Anthony's the next one, right? Yep. Yeah. So he was on Opie and Anthony with Patrice and they had an interesting thing where oddly enough, after we heard the slovenly clip, Gallagher comes in and looks a little slovenly <laughs> and Patrice is talking to him about, you know, reinventing himself, cleaning himself up, maybe talking politics, maybe getting rid of the watermelon. Hmm? <laughs> God forbid. You thought of that? Hmm? Yeah. So Patrice, who is, you know, now a legendary comedian, but at the time, like a working comic who was pretty well respected, um, is kind of trying to help Gallagher out. And this is them talking about reinventing himself, right? Yep. All right, let's hear that. Right. Gallagher, do you think now? Now, obviously, we 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 look back in great fondness, remembering the Gallagher of uh, yesteryear and uh, the Showtime specials and everything. But what, don't you think there's a reason why there's a hundred people at the club? And maybe that Patrice has kind of a a, a good angle of the reinventing of Gallagher. And, and and maybe, you know, like you said, trim the hair, the mustache, a little goatee. Do you really think if I did a radio show in Danbury and said I've cut my hair and I have a little bitty faggy um, mustache. No, it's not going to be that They're all going to get in line. What about the weather? Isn't a storm coming in? Yeah. Maybe there's a hundred people because they have more, enough sense to stay home in a snowstorm. I'm You're rationalizing. Uh, I'm not rationalizing. I've always old, sold my own here. tickets. I rent the theaters and oh, I really? buy the advertising. I, oh, you do? I've done it my whole life. I'm revolutionary. Wow. I'm an individual. I don't follow trends, fads, and fashion. I'm not going to wear a gold necklace. Oh, shit. On a t-shirt. You save enough money not buying a good shirt to buy gold. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not falling for this because I'm going to help this man. I'm going to help this man. So, I mean, out of we are taking it a little out of context. This interview, or whatever you want to call it, ebbs and flows. There are moments where Gallagher kind of seems on board and is fucking around with them. And there's moments where he gets shitty. And there's also moments that are uncomfortable where he's like, uh, Anthony says he, you know, he sold a hundred tickets. He's trying to sell tickets. And Gallagher's like, don't you think it could be the weather? <laughs> yeah. Naturally because he's dead. We picked the ones where he comes off shitty. <laughs> I had no choice. RIP. 
people demand the episode. So <laughs> rest, so we'll rest, rest in power, Gallagher. Yes. Uh, rest easy, old friend. Um, but this is where so Patrice is trying to help him. He's taking some of the the shit that Gallagher's given him. Gallagher's really looking down on Patrice and his ability as a comic. Um, he also, by the way, later in the interview, I don't think I clipped it, but he gets into it with Anthony where he's saying like, uh, you guys aren't funny. You're, you're like radio funny. And Anthony rarely gets offended, but like Anthony's genuinely funny. Like on Opie and Anthony, he was able to hang with those like top level comedians. Yeah. So he's genuinely funny. And like, it's a rare time where you see Anthony go like, fuck you, man. Like I've been doing this for a long time. I am funny. I do know what's funny. I'm not out fucking, you know, smashing fruit to get a laugh, but like I have a pretty good grasp on what's funny. So Gallagher kind of has that attitude about him the whole interview. And this is uh, Patrice, I believe not standing for it anymore. Yeah. This is Gallagher versus Patrice. Yes. That goes well for everyone that tries it. Then nobody's Leo. You're a somebody, and we're going to get you him back. Leo? I will not call <laughs> because Leo makes he me look at be him. Leo. He you mean he doesn't want to be Leo? He didn't want to be Leo at one point. He still doesn't want to be Leo. You're not my friend. <laughs> oh no! I'm your best friend. You just no, don't know. I'm a friend of your life. <laughs> so we don't what, know each other. Uh, what other acts have you helped with your advice that have taken off? <laughs> a lot of young kids. Yeah. A lot of young kids have 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 gone that way. I've talked to a few guys that don't give me credit for helping them get through. Uh, Isn't yeah. the object of entertainment to uh, have your own identity and your own look and that way stand out from the crowd of guys that are wearing gold and have jeans on and are no, talking no, about... No, no, You know, I don't talk about the difference between blacks and whites. And almost every black comedian, that's all they talk about. Do you talk nah, about the difference I, between I, I blacks and whites? I talk about absolutely I do. Well, I but don't. I do it very differently. Oh, yeah, No, you don't. You have Whoa. the same topics as Everybody else. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. I understand this, Unis, but I'm sorry, Mr. Wheelchair Tiger Woods joke, that shitty joke you said. You don't think everybody's talking about that? But I had a better joke. I had a good joke. The, the standing up fucking walking. Are you fucking serious? Right, that shit had knock knocking ahead of it. Because I don't have jokes, Leo. Uh -huh. I have soliloquies. I talk about it in reality world. So, again, we're taking it out of context, and they get back. Like, Patrice is having fun with him throughout the interview. Like, it's not crazy contentious, but that right there was a moment where he was like, listen, fucking, you know, just because I, hey, you see this apple? <laughs> like, to call Patrice a hack is psychotic. Oh, yeah. But that's the the state of mind that Leo, that Leo, and now I'm calling him Leo, that Gallagher got into where, you know, you, you know what Gallagher's problem was when people started calling him racist and homophobic? I don't think, I, well, I don't know. I don't know the man. I don't know that he's any of those things. But what I do know is that he absolutely discriminates against comedians. Because he looked at Patrice and saw a black guy and said, well, obviously you do hack race material. When, as we played last week in Elephant in the Room, I mean, he's one of the most original guys that there is. You know, and that, that there ever will be, probably. Like, he's dead. That's what Patrice is known for. And yet, Gallagher just sees a stereotype. And that's, I think, what he saw with a lot of comedians. He didn't understand the nuance of, you know, Chris Rock and Patrice and Chappelle being different than people you saw on Def Jam, you know? Right. 
Exactly. <laughs> also, I like that like Gallagher clearly doesn't know who Patrice is. If he thinks he's going to, you know, big time anyone in that room, he's very sorely mistaken. Outwit him. Yeah. And what, by, by the way, if it didn't make sense, what Patrice is referring, referring to there is like jokes he made earlier in the show when he says it should have had knock knock in front of it. <laughs> so it's like they, they came in and put up with Gallagher's cornball jokes. But then if you're going to call other people out, it's like be ready to to answer for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's just one more clip from that interview. And, um, and people, we always talk about Opie and Anthony on this show. I feel yeah. like, or it comes up often. This is yeah. a perfect example of when Opie was great. This is what Opie is necessary for. Yeah. Uncomfortable moments. But um, I will say if you, if you're interested in this part at all, it's like a two hour long segment from Opie and Anthony and it's on YouTube. So feel free to go back and listen. Like I said, it's not contentious the whole way through, but there are moments where you're like, Ooh boy, like, you know, they're trying to help Gallagher. They're doing their best for Gallagher, but he's not accepting much help. Um, but this is a moment that uh, only I feel like Jerry Sandusky could compete with the answer to this question. <laughs> All day long. Gallagher, are you racist? <laughs> Why? Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. He'd rather be fucking smashing a nigga's head with Sledgeomatic than a fucking watermelon. That's, <laughs> That's what a watermelon it represents nigga head. <laughs> he desperately wants to be smashing eggplants. <laughs> you my show. Oh my <laughs> he could get a hold of some black babies. <laughs> what a hilarious what not know why <laughs> the way he says to why 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 what do you what's your angle here are we gonna be friends after this or no <laughs> but yeah so feel you know go back and listen to that whole thing like i said it gets weird at the end too with anthony where he's talking about that's again to go to that you know stereotyping people I don't even know if it's about race or anything because he puts Anthony in this box of, you know, well, you must be the same as uh, uh, the grease man or soupy sales, <laughs> you know, whereas like he couldn't be more different from those people. Um, Todd Pettengill, another example. Name more examples, Mike. Um, all right. So <laughs> yeah. now we're going to uh, probably his most uncomfortable interview that I could find, right? Oh, Calta? Yeah. Uh, so Mike Calta, if you're not familiar, formerly known as Cowhead in the uh, Tampa Bay area, is kind of the last guy on terrestrial radio that I hear comedians mention in the, in the way of like, oh, I'm excited to go on his show. You know what I mean? Like it's not just some morning zoo, uh, you know, Wikipedia question type thing that like. It, it's more of a hang like ONA and Stern used to be. Um, I don't know. I, I've never listened to his show. I've heard he does a show with Robert Kelly, and I've heard of that a little bit. Um, I don't know if Calt is necessarily a guy that, like, I would listen to if I was in Tampa, but he does – he at least, like, you know, has the respect of comedians that come in and everything. So Gallagher goes in there to promote his dates. He's in the Tampa area. And um, – you know, they bullshit a little bit about, uh, like I said, he went to school down there. So they bullshit a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, geographical Tampa talk. And then they get into the, this Mike Kelta is giving him like an official introduction. 
Uh, Gallagher is here with us. I believe you've oh, been on the show, man. He's on, he's on for maybe three minutes before this. Oh, you have once before. And it was, uh, we had a phone connection. It was a horrible phone connection. We, we started talking about, I, I told you that I, for years, when your specials came out, I had believed as I was a kid that you were Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. Did you, did that ever get back to you? Did you know that? No, but what a wonderful little story. <laughs> that was, that was, I had never watched Leave it to Beaver. You know, it was before my time. And uh, that was like, the, I remember when we watched a special in my, in my grandmother's house, that was the rumor that went. And I couldn't confirm or deny because I didn't know who the hell Eddie Askell was. So I grew up thinking that for a while. Okay, good. Yeah. Where does this story go? See, that's your problem. It, it doesn't go anywhere. I, you can't just tell about a memory. Everything's you an You can act. ask people if they have a memory. Hold that on, pause one second. I'm sorry. He goes, that's, they've never met before. And he goes, that's your problem. So again, he's stereotyping this radio guy, you know? Well, I, it's like everything's an act to him because he's like, why would you, why isn't this going anywhere? <laughs> he's like, right, I'm just yeah, telling you. You have something planned uh, we, for me. Whereas like Mike Calta is just hang, hanging out and trying to talk to the guy. Now, right. if you're listening at home and saying like, I don't give a fuck about Eddie Haskell or leave it to Beaver, but it's Calta's way of uh, introducing him to the show, kind of trying to find some sort of common ground. Because you could go, oh, really? I've never heard that. Why would that be? Or, or you know, I got that a lot. Either way, if you, even if you don't give a fuck, play along for more than th one second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> give the guy a fucking chance. But uh, Gallagher does not do that. No, he sucks. Rest in peace. But I mean, where do, where do we go with this now? Well, why do we have to go somewhere? Why can't I just tell you something funny that happened in my life? Why are you being a dick right away? I just. Well, I don't know, uh, but the Eddie, I, I no. I'm, wait, hold on, back it up. Why are you turning into a dick to me? I didn't do anything to you, and all of a sudden you come in here with an attitude. I don't have an attitude. You kind of a little bit. All right, great. Okay. All right, Gallagher, it was nice seeing you. Right. Go smash your fruit in the hall. <laughs> all right, <laughs> bye bye. Yeah, see you later. Good. Come here. Your tag's still on your hat, Mini Pearl. No. You didn't leave anything here. Right. Yeah, get out, you dumb uh. old dick. <laughs> so, Calta was not having it. And I kind of respect him for just being like, you know what? Instead of having a 40-minute long contentious interview, just get out. Just just, <laughs> just leave. Just go. But I, I don't need this. And Cal, I, you know, like, for, I don't know much about Mike Calta, but like, he's kind of the last radio guy. Like, I think he lives very well and is like, you know, has a little niche on it. Like he's the king of Tampa down there. So you would certainly wouldn't know him nationally, but like, you know, he's got a set audience. He's he's not he doesn't need Gallagher to to boost his ratings or anything, I don't think. No. So you know, it's weird when you're Gallagher and you come in. I, I can't even say come in like you're a superstar. Because if, Brad, if, if he said that to Brad Pitt, <laughs> Brad Pitt would give him more affability. You know what I mean? Like e even the, 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 the celebrity, the people that are above this wouldn't treat someone like that. The second they walk in, no where they're like, let the, like, let the, yeah. Let the interview breathe for a minute. See if you guys get, it's just, or, or see where it's going before you say it's not going anywhere. I think that entire clip, including Gallagher's plugs and like the preamble and there's more after him walking out where Calta's talking to like his staff about it because I guess Gallagher was kind of a dick in the hallway to the staff also
Shocking. The entire clip is like seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you how how short, how quickly Gallagher was in that room. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, he was a curmudgeon. But as I said, he had... He- in many ways he had reason to be because for a guy that was so popular, like I said, 14 cable specials um, was selling out theaters and people were constantly disrespecting this man. He was, he became a punchline, which I can understand how that bitterness builds up. No, he's a huge star. Mike, what was your favorite cable special of his? Uh, I liked uh, stuck in the sixties. What about you? That's the one I remember. The I was going to say, what's your second favorite one? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fuck. I remember I read the name of the first one, but I can't think of it. (laughs) They're, they're huge hits. They get replayed all the time. (laughs) Well, that's neither here nor there. I mean, people, people must've watched. Um, All right, Peach. But but listen, the guy was very successful. um, And he also had a reason to be bitter because his act was stolen by his brother. Stolen quotation fingers. I I would say it definitely was stolen. Um, but let's hear Gallagher explain. So if you're not aware, um, if you've ever heard the reference Gallagher two, that's where this comes from. So uh, it, I'll let Gallagher explain first before we get into it. And that's to the number, not T O O. Yes. Um, I had a lot of jokes that were good jokes, and and my brother wanted some money, and you know it's the kind of thing where you say, why don't you just go and get some yourself? <laughs> but the real reason was I had an argument with my manager over the rights to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and and we broke up, and he felt that I was too old, that I was I was now twenty four to thirty six. <laughs> oh my goodness! My market and the real Oof. market is eighteen to twenty four, and so he was going to go and get. A kid that he knew, Scotty, who is Carrot Top. Yeah! And so I wanted to stop them from doing a splashing act in the smaller venues. So I sent my brother to do my act and to keep, uh, to tell me what was going on at that level of show business, you see. Fantastic. Brilliant. Brilliant. So now what happened? You created a monster and it became bigger than you could control? I put him with Tom Sobel, who was... Uh, I know who Tom Sobel is. He's, isn't he great? Yes. And I trusted him to advertise correctly. Tom ran uh, the Comedy Caravan in Louisville, Kentucky, and I trusted him to make sure that it was um, honest, that we always told the crowd that it was not Gallagher. But you could tell by the $12 ticket price, and <laughs> 22. Well, I was 22. But then... My brother wasn't easy to work with, and Tom's um, crew, the girls, didn't want to work with my brother anymore. Right. They said, please get rid of him. Now, listen, uh, I'm sure this lady interviewing him annoyed me as much as she does you guys, but it was the most succinct telling I could find of this story. I, know, I was the whole time I'm going, ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, wow, you know, cool. The lady, the lady annoyed me a little bit, but I just wanted to, to kind of get a, a synopsis. We have to listen to her once more, so hold on to your hats. But I just wanted a basic synopsis for what happened. So essentially, um, Gallagher 2 was doing, you know, kind of cornball jokes and then smashing some shit at the end of the show. He also looked like Gallagher at least enough so that, you know, people were, particularly in the 90s, you know, pre-internet, 
he could get away with people like, Oh, okay. That's Gallagher. Did he, you know, lose a little weight or gain a little weight, whatever. Um, you know, you couldn't really check. You're not on your smartphone. Like that's not the fucking guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, um, it, it, uh, eventually came to, uh, an end when Gallagher had had enough of it. If we can hear that clip. That's what happened to my brother, Ron. When I let him perform my old jokes in small clubs, he thought that he was famous. That was Gallica too, just it so went you know to, It went to his head. I couldn't stop. He went crazy. I told him, stop telling people that you're me because it's ruining my show. Because people, people think it's you. You're not that funny. Otherwise, you would have written a... You know, I thought he'd write an act. I wrote a new hour every six months for five or six years. And he didn't write nothing. I came up with one joke I think about uh, oh my God. Uh, about the guy that killed his OJ. Oh yes. Oh yeah, about the, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was OJ and Bart. So he wrote a joke. Yeah, he made one joke. I thought it was going to be like the Smothers, and we we're both. <laughs> You that we would share. Like that we would share or something. Oh well, no good deed goes unpunished. That's for sure. So when was the last time you spoke to your brother Ron? In court. <laughs> I think we found a more hateable character than Gallagher. Oh, my God. Makes him look amazing. <laughs> but, listen, I tried. I searched for other interviews where he's telling the story, but it's the best one I found. Oh, man. Um, so uh, Gallagher did win the lawsuit, by the way. Uh, Gallagher, too. Ron Gallagher had to stop using uh, Gallagher's license, had to stop using the uh, Sledgematic Act, had to stop in any way suggesting that he was the comedian Gallagher. What does he do now? Um, Ron Gallagher? Yeah, is he still alive? I don't know. He just, tour dates just opened up, baby. I think that's a good point. Although I guess the lawsuit would still hold up, I think. Well, who's going to sue him, I suppose? Maybe you're right. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, yeah, hopefully we look for Ron Gallagher at a theater near you, perhaps. But um, that is very shitty because not just that he stole his act, which, you know, that is taken uh, very seriously in comedy sometimes. Um, but he stole like, essentially he stole money from his brother because he was stealing shows. He was going to clubs and venues and saying, I am Gallagher. I'm the guy that you're paying for. And that's not the case. And even if you want to say, you know, if you want to say Gallagher's jokes were hacky or whatever, so who gives a fuck? Well, the guy, you know what I mean? And you mm. would, you, 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 at your job, imagine whatever it is, even if you do a mediocre job, your brother is not allowed to come in and impersonate you, you know? Correct. So it is a really shitty thing that happened to him. Uh, Ron Gallagher, from what I'm finding, is alive, but a lot of Gallagher just died. Clips are coming up, so it's a still. Yeah, still it was weird. I I wanted to find more about it. There's not a ton. Like I don't think um, Gallagher addressed it publicly a lot. <laughs> there were, I mean, like articles written up on it, but but it's not much more in depth than what we talked about, unfortunately. So, um, actually I, uh, messaged, um, with someone who may come on the show at some point. And one of the ideas they threw out was they said, uh, have you done an episode about Gallagher versus Gallagher too? And I said, that's a perfect idea. 
And this is right before Gallagher died, actually. Um, but then as I looked into Gallagher 2, it's like, I don't even know if there would be a full episode there. It's like the guy was kind of a scumbag and ripped off his brother. And then his brother sued him and won. <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, like him winning, that's a no-brainer, especially if he's giving, he gave him permission and then he overstepped it is what it sounds like. Yeah, and I'm glad he did win because as you uh, no-brainer for like, you or me speculating on it, but I right. think in court, those things uh, go a little off the wall sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Unless he was like billing himself as Gallagher too, as a parody, he could probably got away with it, but he wasn't doing that. Right. No, it was the exact same right. act. Right. So listen, maybe we're going to get flooded with messages from people saying I enjoyed, but I actually got my medical information uh, before Rogan. It was Gallagher. I, I really trusted this guy and thought he had a lot of, um, you know, insight. And yeah, he really uh, tickled my funny bone. Um, if that's the case, I apologize. But that's the best synopsis of Gallagher's career I was able to do, uh, certainly. But the guy was tremendously successful. And you, and honestly, like if you think about it one of the most successful comedians ever. I mean, not one of the top 10, certainly, but you know, if you're making a list of the top 200, as far as just pure success, Gallagher's certainly in there. I would think I would say, put it this way. Uh, he's, if you hear the name Gallagher, you know who you're talking about. You know about. who it is. Yeah. So it's unfortunately I kept searching for Gallagher, California governor race, and it appears there's a different Gallagher that has been running in California, so it really fucked me. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, um, rest in peace, Gallagher. You certainly had an imprint on comedy. You are, like Craig said, the name Gallagher is synonymous with props and smashing fruit. Produce. It's not the legacy you wanted. But we don't get to choose that in life, my friend. Gallagher and produce go together like spaghetti and meatballs. Right. Yeah. And listen... Rest in peace. I'm I'm not above embarrassing myself. Right. And you can certainly criticize me. And uh, there's plenty of access to reasons for criticizing me at blindmike.net. So if you want that, if you want revenge for Gallagher, and you say, let me, let me uh, find some clips of this asshole making a fool of himself, go to blindmike.net. Um, plenty of evidence there. You can find Apple, Spotify, YouTube. If you want to support the show for free, if you'd like to throw a little quiche behind us, um, we also have merch available. Uh, Why You Laughing merch, Gearhead merch, Blind Mike Project. And you can subscribe to the Patreon too. A uh, bunch of stuff coming in the new year as far as Why You Laughing goes on the Patreon. So if you're if that interests you, get subscribed. If not, we understand. Um, and also go to verygoodshow.org for uh, Craig. I hear tell, we were discussing before the show, some big things possibly happening there. Something I'm, I've never said this before about Very Good Show. Something I'm actually excited for is on the brink of, of happening. We'll so see. we will see. So so uh we'll keep an eye out for that. Um rest in peace, Gallagher. And until next time, uh uh that's not what I say here. I was gonna <laughs> say uh go to the Patreon folks, because I was gonna say until next time, keep making money, folks. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing? Signing off. Goodbye. <laughs>